Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on the Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. Well, happy Father's Day. I want to say happy Father's Day to those of you who are watching online, those who are watching in the classic service, or maybe you're gathered together as a family and you're watching this service, or maybe even you're celebrating this later in the week or watching. We're glad that you're a part of this. We're glad that we can connect with you. We are so thankful for the opportunity that Vent God has given Venture to not only to be able to minister on this campus, but really to be able to minister around the world. And that's because of your sacrifice, your gifts, and all that you do. So I want to welcome everybody to be a part of it. And we're going to celebrate today. I recognize Father's Day can be hard for people. I know in my life there's a a lot of wounds and gaps that's created because of fatherhood. But I also know it is so important as the people of God that we celebrate those who are stepping forward to do the things that God's called them to do. And especially dads. And so today, I hope you feel that. I hope you take advantage of it. On the back lot, there'll be a car show. So go, go back after the service today. Go see some of the classic cars if you haven't already. On your way out, we've got uh, Dad's Root Beer. Not Dad's favorite beer, Dad's Root Beer. Although attendance might spike if we switch to Dad's favorite beer. But uh, right now, we're at Dad's Root Beer. That's available for you on your way out today. And uh, the dad jokes, uh, I saw a couple of dad jokes that came in, other ones. One of them said, why do fathers take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? In case they get a hole in one. (laughs) What do a tick and the Eiffel Tower have in common? They're both Paris sites. Yeah. Probably, yeah, some of you are just now getting it. My favorite one was, I thought the dryer was shrinking my clothes. Turned out it was the refrigerator all along. So, yeah, I could relate to that. I was thinking about it, though. Why are lame jokes called dad jokes? I mean, think about it. How did we get labeled with that? The more I thought about it, it's because moms don't have time to tell lame jokes. There's too much to be done. And so it falls on dad to really carry that mantle well. We're glad to be able to celebrate today. And and in this message, I I think it's really important to recognize both the importance and the power of fathers. What a powerful calling, if you're a father, that you've been given. And the impact of it in our world, the impact in our country, in fact, that you can see it in your notes, I've said fathers have the power to impact a country, a culture, a church, and certainly a home. Fathers have the power to impact it, and, and we see it in our culture today. We see it in our country today. I think some of the things that we're reaping as a culture today is the result of a breakdown of fatherhood that we felt for many, many years, and the disconnect with it. And I'm not going to go through all the the stats that I could read you, all the different studies. There was a time period in the 70s and 80s, 90s even, you saw a number of articles that almost went with the track, you don't really need fathers. Fortunately, even sociology and all the studies have looked at it and said, fathers are absolutely vital in the home. One researcher said it this way. 
He, he said, involved fatherhood is linked to better outcomes on nearly every measure of child well-being, from cognitive development and educational achievement to self-esteem and pro-social behavior. Across the board, you see the impact of dads in the lives of their kids when they're engaged, when they're involved. Now, can I say at the outset, it's not a guarantee. Some of you were awesome dads and your kids made some really poor choices. So I don't have a magic message here that if you do all these things as a dad, you're guaranteed to have great kids because God gave your kids free will. And even though God is the perfect father, a lot of his kids screwed up. And it wasn't an indictment on God, by the way. And so, so as I say this message, because you can hear a message like this, and if your kids have made some poor choices, and maybe you have a prodigal, you have a child that's out there, and you can look at it, and you can almost feel like, well, are you saying I was a bad dad? We all have gaps. We all need to grow. I'm not laying that on you. But I am challenging each of us as dads to recognize the power of what God's given. You know, one of the most dramatic verses in the Bible, it, it comes at Malachi, the end of the Old Testament. And, and Malachi, the prophet says, there's a prophet that's gonna come, the prophet like Elijah, who's gonna come. He's talking about John the Baptist, who's the forerunner for Jesus. And, and he, he says, one of the things that he's gonna do when he starts teaching this truth Look what he says, he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction. He's pointing out that this truth that he will bring stirs in a dad's heart in a way that he recognized God's called me to have a key role and he turns toward his kids. In the same way kids turn toward fathers, there's a healing that happens in the home based on the truth that Christ alone can bring. That's what this is pointing to. But, but the, the dramatic part for me is, he, he says a land that's under destruction, and, and it's not that God's gonna strike the land and there's lightning and all these curses. Here, here's the destruction when the home is destructed and specifically the relationship between father and children, when that's destructed, the impact across a land is devastating. Guys, we're feeling that. We feel that in a, as a country. We, we feel the devastation that's happened in so many homes and so many places and so much disconnect. And so that's why I think it's important as a church and I think it's important as the people of God to step forward and go, what, what does the Bible say about dads? What does the Bible call us to do? Where's the Bible calling us to step forward in that? That's on a, a broad level, on a personal level. I hope every dad here realizes this. As a father, other than Jesus, as a father, I am the most powerful man in the lives of those who matter the most to me. Now just stop for a minute, let that truth sink in. I, I'm, I am literally the most powerful person, most powerful man in the lives of the people who matter the most to me. Now, I may not be that powerful out there. Nobody may defer to me out there. Nobody may look at me out there. Depending on your context, you may be more powerful in different contexts. Regardless of it though, if you're a dad, do you realize in the people that matter most or they should matter most, unless you have squandered this power or abused it, 
God's given you this gift, the power of influence, the power of impact. And so for dads today, probably later today, you're gonna get a gift or gifts, some of them good, maybe some of them not so good. Smile and be happy regardless. But I can promise you this, there's no greater gift than what God has given you as a father to have this kind of impact, to be able to leverage power for the kingdom. I mean, as you look at, I love this verse in Proverbs, grandchildren are the crown of the ages. In other words, grab a grandparent and ask them what they wanna talk about the most. And if they have their phone on you, they'll start showing pictures. And they don't realize that after one picture, you're done. They're like, oh, well, no, you gotta see this. Oh, look at this expression. And you're like, hey, it's the same kid, I got it. Flip side of it though, look at, he says, the glory of children is their fathers. And they relish it. Especially if you, you have little kids. Man, for your little boys, you're like a superhero. For your little girls, you're like Prince Charming. And, and you're larger than life, regardless who you are as a father. I remember one time we, we were hanging out with a, some friends of ours and uh, Mike is a good friend of mine. Our boys were little, they'd always play together. Mike's a big guy. He's about 6'5", played college basketball, still works very physical job with it. So, I mean, he's ripped. And I could hear our two boys arguing in there. And his son said, my dad can beat up your dad. And I remember Drew, Drew going, nuh-uh, my dad is so strong. He can beat up your dad. And I'm sitting there thinking, in what universe would anybody think I could beat up Mike? You know whose universe? My little boys. Because he's not looking at this rationally. He, he's living out what Proverbs said here. We, we have this larger in life presence and power. And as we look at that then, with great power as a father comes great responsibility. Thank you, Spider-Man. <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility. I mean, if God's given this to us, then we have an accountability. And I'll tell you, as a dad, one day each one of us will stand before Jesus and he's gonna have, ask us to give account for what he gave us in our lives. And one of the things he gave us, maybe one of the most significant things he gave you, is this power you have in your home with your kids. And so as we look at this, I, I'm just call us to some categories of just recognizing that power. And, and for all of us, just kind of calling us up and going, what are we doing with that power? How am I stewarding that well? Look at the first one. The first one is just the power of your presence. The power of your presence in, in their life. And, and, you know, over the years, I've taught men's ministry a number of years. I've done Better Man, done Men's Fraternity. Probably one of the most significant themes that comes up over and over again. And you see it in guys all ages. Man, the wound of an absent father. 
It runs so deep. Or a distant father. And I know I have those wounds in my life. I can't act like they're not there. Doesn't mean they're insurmountable. And so maybe if you're here today and you've got a child and they don't have a father in their life, it's not insurmountable, but there is a reality there. The flip side of that then is the reality that each of us that are dads, what we get to do. You know, Stephen Covey, he wrote the book Seven Habits of Effective People, Highly Effective People, and, and in it, he talked about the fact that fathers need to make a choice that when you're driving home every day, here's what he said, the best thing you can do with your time is mentally resign. Mentally resign from the job that you're leaving and then put on your dad hat and go, this is what I am for tonight. You, you make an exchange instead of living in both worlds all the time and doing both all the time and not really doing either well, especially the one at home. He, he says you make a commitment that you engage in their life, that you get with them. And I just encourage you as a dad, man, so, some of the simple ways of just being present in their life. If you've got little kids, my number one advice, if you've got little ones, especially preschoolers, if you're a dad, just write down these words, floor time. And here's all I mean. You're walking in the house and you've got a choice to engage their world. If you will literally get on the floor, if you will get on the ground and choose to stay there, you're suddenly immersing yourself in their world, allowing them to have access they wouldn't have otherwise. It's far different than chair time. Like I'll sit in the chair and you kind of play right next to me. Floor time. And the connection, it's interesting because dads play different than moms. They just do. There's a rough and tumble part of it. And so, so that floor time, especially as you push them a little bit, uh, as they've studied the brains, it's interesting to me, one of the highest spikes of oxytocin, the chemical in the brain that produces both bonding and pleasure, happens when a father plays with their child. That's when the two of them experience that spike together. For a mom, her highest spike is when a mother and a child show affection to each other and they both experience it in it. And, and part of it's just our wiring. We were made to engage in that way, to be involved with it. So get down and do some floor time. Do FaceTime. And I'm not talking about the app. I'm talking about your literal face. How often do your kids see your face? How often do they see your eyes? How often do you talk to them face to face? And if you want the number one face blocker, this is it. As soon as this comes out, they don't see your face anymore, you don't see theirs. And you can sit in the same space for hours and never have engaged face to face. And so you choose, you go, hey, I'm putting it away. We're gonna actually dialogue, we're gonna actually talk. It's floor time, FaceTime, and then I'd say fun time. Fun is a currency that buys you access into their life. And so there's part of it where you, you establish fun and it changes over the ages. Now here's the bad news, guys. Fun for them is not the same as fun for you. So you gotta choose their fun. And for those of us, if you got little ones, how many hours have you read the same book over and over? You played the same game. I remember Kate hit a stretch where she loved Candyland. I hated Candyland, <laughs> hated. Now I had the game rigged though. I, I had it figured out. There's a couple of cards 
especially Queen Frostine, I think that was her name, <laughs> that if you drew that card, you got to go all the way to almost the very end of the game. So I, you know, I would set it up and kind of get the card set up so that Kate would draw Queen Frostine pretty early. <laughs> and then we could, you know, get this over with. And I remember I did it and she drew it and finished and I was like, oh, all right, we're done. She goes, no, again, <laughs> again. And, and then I, I realized she didn't like playing Candyland. She liked winning and we weren't finishing until I beat her. So now I'm shuffling the deck and I'm having this debate within myself. Am I allowed to now cheat and give myself Queen Frostine? And I thought, I got to play it straight up. So we played Candyland straight up. And I'm like, come on, Queen Frostine. Daddy needs a Queen Frostine. How many hours do you spend doing that? And yet I promise you this, you blink. And they grow out of Candyland pretty quick. And they grow out of the next stage. I, I, I read a recently randy long he's a 72 year old he was cleaning out his garage and he found a big bucket of baseballs and he didn't want them to go to waste so he took them down to the batting cages and he just left them there with this note he says i hope someone can use these baseballs in the batting cages i found them cleaning my garage i pitched them to my son and my grandson for countless rounds my son is now 46 years old. My grandson is 23 years old. I'm 72. And what I won't give to pitch a couple of buckets to them. They both moved away. If your father cherished these times, you won't believe how quickly they will be gone. And then he put a PS on there. Give them a hug and tell them you love them every chance you get. Guys, God has given us this larger than life power of presence in the lives of our kids. And, and it's easy in the moment. It's easy in the hard days. It's easy in the busyness of life to squander that power. I just challenge you today, if God's given you the gift of being a dad, how are you leveraging that? How are you showing up in their life? Do they even expect you to be there? Or have you moved to the point that dad's just kind of off the radar? It's never too late to leverage it. Let me give you the, the second power, the power of your protection, the power of your protection. God's given us as men a strength. God's given us a, as men a responsibility. God's given us as men the power to protect in our home and protect in our church. Look at this in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul's writing to the leaders in the church. He says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. I love this verse. We, we spent almost a semester of better man just going through that principle of, of what does it mean to be watchful, to be on guard with that. What does it mean to stand firm in the faith that you know what you believe? What does it mean to act like men? And, and to be strong. Now, as I say that, some people go, yeah, but men have so abused power. I don't know if I wanna give them that anymore. 
And I, I would say as men, we do. We have to own where it's been abused. We have to own where it's been hurt. Because it's not gonna help culture and it's not gonna help church. And I promise you this, it's not gonna help your home. By stripping men of the God-given calls that he's given us to love and protect, to use our strength for their good. See, that's the perfect combination. And, and as a husband, God calls us this. Look, look how Peter puts it. He says, likewise, husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way. You have to work to understand them. Showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel. Now, he doesn't say she's a lesser vessel, but he's recognizing a fundamental fact. Hey, guys, you have some strength. You have some power, especially in that culture. Men had all the power. They had all the honor. They had all the, the, the odds were in their favor. And Peter says, hey, for the Christian husband, though, you don't use that against her. You, you live in an understanding way that you use that for her good because she's an heir of the grace of life. And, and I love he puts this line, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Hear what he's saying in that? He says, if, if you don't treat her right, then God doesn't want to hear your prayers. I always say this to, to guys, if you've married, if your wife is a Christian, God is not just your father, he's your father-in-law. And, and what he's saying in this verse is, man, when you go to have your quiet time and you go to pray and you want to do, others, I don't care how many chapters of the Bible you read before you go, when you go to pray to him, one of the first things he's looking at you is, how are you treating my girl? Are you showing her honor? Are, are you living in an understanding way? Are you using the strength and the power and the resources and the things I gave you? for her good? Or are you just making it about you? Because if that's true, we don't have a lot to talk about till you go do what you need to do. Because I care about her. See, see, this is this call of how do we as men, how do we as dads, how do we use our power for their good? And maybe you're here today and you go, I don't need a man to protect me. You may not. God may not have called you to get married. You are certainly strong in your right. But, but I, I would just say this, if you are married, why wouldn't you want someone using their power for your good? Why wouldn't you want someone who what this verse is teaching, what this principle is teaching is how do we use our power so that she might flourish in all that God made her to be? You know, you read through Proverbs 31. It's a great chapter. It's this chapter of the ideal wife, the ideal woman. If you look at it though, man, you look at this woman in it. She is, she keeps the home well, her kids well. She has her own business I mean, she's respected in the city. And I look at all of that. You know what runs all the way through it, though? There's these lines. The heart of her husband trusts her. He praises her. He shows honor to her. He's using what he has so that she might flourish. That's what we get to do as dad. 
We get to use our strength. We get to use who we are. We get to use what God's given us. And it's not always fair. Sometimes as dad, you gotta take the hit. Sometimes as dad, it's not very thankful. Sometimes as dad, it's not as honoring. But that's okay. We get to be dad. And it's unbelievable gift. You know, the, the best picture I've told you guys before, I always look at our solar system. And, and the planet Jupiter, Jupiter is the largest planet bar none. You realize the only reason our solar system is not destroyed by space debris all the time? That 99% of everything that comes into our solar system, whether it's asteroids, rocks, things that would destroy us, that would be a cataclysmic event. The only reason it doesn't is Jupiter is so big, its gravity pulls it all into itself and it takes all the hits. Jupiter in Latin, you know what that name means? In Latin, it means sky father. He's the dad of the universe. He's the dad of our solar system. He's the dad who's there that's willing to go, yeah, I'll take the blows, I'll take the hits. I'll stop the junk from coming in here. And that's what we get to do. We get to step forward and go, man, all this junk in the culture, all these things that happen, all these ways, the blows that are coming and the hits with it. You know what? I'll be the front line of this and I'll take the hits if necessary because I'm gonna leverage the power God's given me for the sake of my home. Give you the third one, the power of your partnership, the power of your partnership. God has certainly given us power as men, but it's a power in partnership with our wives. You go all the way back to Genesis. God blessed the first couple. He said to them, look at this, and this is both of them. Be fruitful and multiply. So there's a parenting that was in that commissioning. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing. You've got this joint partnership that together, yeah, you're forming homes and you're bringing kids into the world and you're filling the earth, but you also have this partnership of dominion that you're ruling the earth together, that you're subduing the earth together, that you're using your gifts together to make this planet bring glory to God. There's a partnership in that. And, And specifically with kids, that filling the earth, especially since sin came into the world, there's a partnership that comes in parenting where we're called as parents and look fathers, you've got to keep part of this. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. As dads, we can do this. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There's two things that go hand in hand for every parent with kids. You have to bring discipline in their life and instruction into their life. And and they're a little bit different by the way. Discipline, discipline is dealing with the foolishness that's in them. Proverbs says foolishness or folly is bound up in the heart of every child. So it's no matter if they come in the world and they look so cute and they look so wonderful, their heart is full of foolishness. And you'll discover it real soon. And part of your job as a parent is when they make those sinful, foolish choices. You have to discipline. You have to introduce pain in their life. There's different forms. But you introduce pain and they're not gonna like it. You do that, why? Because you've got to get that foolishness out so that they can receive the instruction. Instruction is pouring the wisdom in. And I'll just say this, and I've seen this 
generationally, especially, there's a lot of parents in almost parenting systems today that don't really want to deal with the discipline part, and they just tell you if you instruct them enough, you don't have to discipline them. And so I don't really like the pain, and they don't really like it, and I don't like, you know, the odds it puts us, and I'm suddenly the bad guy, so we just won't do that. I'll just instruct them more, and we'll instruct them more, and instruct them more. Instruction's great. The problem is, remember what Proverbs says? Their heart's already full of foolishness. There's no place for the instruction to go if you're not going to deal with the foolishness. So you have to do both. And as dad, Paul says, we have a key role in that, in that partnership. We don't just put that on mom. In fact, I love how Hebrews puts it. He says, the Lord disciplines the one he loves. So he disciplines us and chastises every son whom he receives. It's for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you're really gonna be a legitimate child, discipline's part of it is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. And so if you're gonna be a dad who's leveraging well the power God's given you, you have to partner with mom in the discipline. And I would say when a dad steps into it, now, now here's what you got to guard against. Remember Paul said, he says, you got to be careful as dad because you can be too harsh. You're so powerful, you can cross that line quick. And what is a good discipline becomes very damaging in the life of a child. Because as dad, you, you didn't leverage the power well, you went too hard. But likewise, you, you can't abdicate the power. You can't just leave it to mom. Oh, that's her job. She'll take care of that. I'm working so hard all day. I'm dealing with this. If you knew what I was under and I got to step in and help with this situation, you're telling me I got to do that? Yes, I am. Because you have this unique power in partnership together to, to bring useful both discipline and instruction in their life. And as they get older, especially as they get into teenagers, dad's strength in stepping into that can be one of the most powerful parts of that process. It helps mom in ways that you don't realize. And I'll just tell you this, if you abdicate it, if you pull back, you force her to become somebody she doesn't want to be. That as she's staying up on it, ultimately she feels like she's a nag all the time. Because she doesn't have that backstop. She doesn't have that strength that's willing to step in. And as she does that, ultimately the kids will resent her for it. And she'll resent you for it. Whether you realize it or not. All right, we got real still in here in that moment. But uh, there's, there's a reality around that. So how do we step forward and leverage that well? How do we just admit, okay, it's dad, God's given me this power. And, and maybe today, if you're a parent, getting together again and just having a conversation of, hey, do you feel like we're partnering well on this? And man, we did great when they were little, but man, I don't feel like we're doing so great now. Or how do we do this with adult kids? It changes every season. But you've got this incredible ability to partner together in it. Let me give you a couple more things. The power of your priorities. The power of your priorities. What will you prioritize in your life? Your kids are watching. What do you value in your life? Your kids are watching. As dad, you're called to be a spiritual leader in the home. Can, can I just dismiss what a lot of people think that means? 
A lot of people think you're the spiritual leader in your home. You're supposed to be a Bible expert and you're supposed to be able to sit down with your kids and have these glowing devotions and they sit at your feet and they go, Father, I've never heard that before. (laughs) You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be an expert. Here's what you do have to do. You have to live what you believe because they're watching you. You have to actually make faith enough a part of your life you talk about it. Look how Deuteronomy puts it. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You'll teach them diligently to your kids. You you actually talk to your kids about what God's telling you. You should talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. Your willing is dead to step forward and go, we're gonna draw some lines in this house of things we do and don't do. I love how Joshua in his final speech to the children of Israel, he tells them, he says, hey, you gotta make some choices of what kind of people you're gonna be. You gotta make some choices of what you're gonna do. You gotta decide whether you're gonna follow God or not. I love that he throws this line, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is a guy making a priority. This is a guy who's saying in that moment, I'm gonna draw some lines for my household. And notice what he doesn't say. He says, you gotta decide if you're gonna serve the Lord. And you know, I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna talk to my kids. I'm gonna see if they really like, they don't really like all of this, so I'm gonna ask them to do parts of it. No, he goes, no, I'm drawing the line here. I'm making the declaration. I'm deciding what's important. And and, and guys, more than anything else, it's not just what we say, it's actually what we do that they notice. I love how Phil Calloway wrote a young dad and he talked about this process in his own life. He said, he remembered the day his son was born. He said, I found myself face to face with my firstborn son. Sure, he was a little wrinkly, but who could blame him? I held him close. I touched his tiny fingers, counted his toes, all 10 of them. I looked into his eyes. They were blue like mine. Then the most amazing thing happened, a revival, I suppose. As I looked into those blue eyes, it was as as if I heard these words, Callaway, for the first 25 years of your life, you've been a hypocrite. You've been close to the church, but far from God. You're holding in your arms the one person you'll never be able to hide it from. If you think this little guy won't see it, you're naive. People ask me when I became a Christian, I say May 31st, 1986. You see that night for the first time in my life, I bowed my head and I said, dear God, I'm sorry, make me real. I want this precious little boy to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And if he won't learn to from me, he has two strikes against him already. And I meant every word. It's been slow going sometimes, but I believe God heard that prayer. Five years later, this same little boy looked up at me one night and said, Daddy, I want to be like you. And tears came to my eyes. I I don't have all the child-rearing answers for you, but I do know this. If you want your child to love God, you love him first. If you want your son to obey, be obedient to the still, small voice of God. If you want to change your life to change for good, have children, lots of them but be prepared to live it. See, they they look at your priorities. They look at what's important to you and they form their life according to it. 
The, the, the priority of your presence, the priority of your partnership, the priority of using that power well, the priority of being there. And, and as I say this, anytime I talk about a message like this or I talk to men, some of you here today, you, you've got a distant relationship with your kids. And the lie of the enemy is telling you it's too late. I'm going to tell you that's a lie. Now, I don't know what you've done. You may have really damaged it. But I promise you, because of the power you have as dad, there's a power to restore more than you realize. It's going to take humility. It'll take courage. It'll take you being the one to let down the guard, not asking of them. You know, years ago, here at Venture, this is probably 10 years ago, I had a couple that came to see me and they wanted me to do their wedding. And uh, as I got to know them, we started doing some counseling together. I don't do this often, but I did with them. I, I brought them in after a few sessions. And I said, guys, if I know two people who should not get married, it's you two. It's not what they wanted to hear. In one way, Together, they were really sad. Individually, she was relieved. And, and there was issues there. But as I, I'd been talking to him and got to know him with it, man, when we met alone, he, he just broke down. He said, man, this isn't working. And he had moved out to the Bay Area because he was in tech or getting into tech. And he'd gone through a divorce. His family was back in the Midwest. Had a couple of young teenagers, a couple of elementary kids, four kids. And, and as he cried, he's like, man, all, all these things in my life. And he looked up at me and he says, what would you do if you were me? And I said, do you really want to hear? He said, yes, yes, please tell me. I said, if I were you, I'd go back to my apartment I'd get rid of everything, I'd load my car up, and I would start driving back to the town where my ex-wife and my kids lived. And it wouldn't matter if she didn't take me back again, I would be near them. And he said, whoa, that's not really what I wanted to hear. And I remember saying to him, you didn't ask me to tell you what you wanted to hear. Here's what you want to hear. I'll tell you what you want to hear. You want to hear, pursue your dream, pursue your life. You find you, you do you, you find your happiness. And when you find your happiness, your kids are going to understand one day why you were pursuing your happiness. And it's all going to work out in the end. That's what you want to hear. And I can tell you that all day, but let me tell you this. At this point, I made him look me in the eye. I said, it's not true. And I would be dishonest with you. Because you, you don't understand the jobs back in that town. I said, if it was me, I wouldn't care if I work at Home Depot. I would need to be near my kids. That's all I know. He got up and left. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to see him again. And I didn't. I didn't see him again. But I did hear from him. About two days later, he called me. He said, you know where I am? He said, I'm driving east. My car is full of everything I own. I cleaned out my apartment. 
I'm headed back to the town with my kids. I don't care if I work at Home Depot. If nothing else, I'm gonna be in their lives. <laughs> yeah, I, and I told them, I said, you need to hear me. You've made a lot of mistakes, but what you're doing now is so courageous. And if there's not a magic fix it when you get home, you know that. But if you'll go with the same courage and humility you're showing now, the impact you'll have on your kids, you don't know. Guys, for all of us, maybe it's not that dramatic, but there's some choices. There's some priorities. There, there's some final thing is just the power of your pronouncement. And what do I mean with this? The blessing you give to your kids, the blessing over their life, the words you speak into it, but the way that you bless them. John Trent's got a book, The Blessing. It's a great book. John Eldridge talks about the fact every little boy is asking this question of his dad. Am I worthy? Do I have what it takes to be a man? And you get the opportunity to answer that over and over again as you speak into their lives. Every little girl looks at her dad and says, am I worth loving? Could, could anybody love me for who I am as a girl, as a woman? And they've got a lot of voices telling them they'll never be lovely until they look certain ways out there. And as dad, you have this powerful voice in her life of going, yes, you're worth loving. Yes, you are lovely. This blessing that we get to pour out, because remember we're larger than life, and, and the result of it, when you bless your children, man, they feel it for life. And by the way, they need it for life. Your adult children need your blessing too. They need to hear, you know what? You're doing great at your work. Maybe you're not where you wanna be. I'm so proud of you. You're such a good mom. Man, you, you, are, you are such good parents. They need to hear, I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm for you. You got what it takes because I see it in you. You have the most powerful megaphone voice to be able to say these things. How are we using it? You know, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible is how God does this to us, how God blesses us. Numbers 6, 24, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Why does God do this to us? Because he's a great dad. Because he always uses his power for our good. Because even though he's the God of the universe, he made us a priority. <laughs> Can you believe that? And so he pours this blessing over us. Sometimes I, I read this verse and I go, if this is how God blesses the dad, then do I do this? And so I put these words, may dad bless you. 
and protect you. May dad smile on you and be gracious to you. May dad show his favor to you and give you his peace. This is what it looks like, dads. If you're sitting here today and go, man, I want to bless my kids, then I would say, bless them, protect them, smile at them, be gracious to them, show favor to them. Give them your peace. There's no greater dad than our Heavenly Father. And if you are a father, there's no greater gift then he allows us to model in the lives of the people that matter the most what he's doing for us. We get to do for them. Folks, that is worth celebrating. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you're dad. Thank you that you're this kind of dad. The dad who blesses us, who protects us, You shine your face on us. You give us your peace. Lord, I pray for each of us who are dads here today. I pray that we would use the power that you've given us for your glory and for the sake of our families. Lord, we pray that you would repair our land. We see so many things in our country and some of it scares us, some of it frustrates us. Lord, I pray each of us as men and each of us as dad would take the mantle you've placed on us and maybe I can't change anything out there, but I can step into my home. I can make a declaration that as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. That I can trust you and believe you. Lord, as we conclude today, I, I just pray that not only for those of us who are dads, but for every one of us, that we would rest in the blessing that you alone give to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in whose name we pray, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.